0: People-first
1: organizations will win in the future of work. The only real asset is your people. We, we all, all want, want purpose-driven, purpose-driven work. work. HR-led organization is I'm
0: sorry, but leaders don't
1: need lead empty desks and empty shop floors. Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Sri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Today, I have Kurt. As a popular keynote speaker, podcast guest, and author on high-achieving servant leadership, Kurt wants to help people and create environments where people can flourish as themselves. He has appeared on national television shows and periodicals, including Wired, TechCrunch, Thrive Global, USA Today, Business to Community, WGN Radio, NBC, ABC, and at the White House. He currently serves as the VP of Marketing and Operations for eXp Realty, where he oversees the growth of eXp Realty's organization. At the individual and team level, he helped leaders develop and maintain skills, behaviors, and values to ensure the sustainable success of both their organization and themselves. Well, welcome to the show, Kurt. It's been a pleasure to have you. And thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome. So one of your favorite subjects, and you've been a high growth leader, and you mentioned a little bit about how you are brought in to scale companies into hyper growth, and eXp Realty is now the largest independent Realty in the world, is that right? Awesome. So tell me a little bit about how, how you went about doing that in your, in your leadership style, and then you can jump into you know, maybe getting into details of some of those things that people can use in their own leadership approaches.
0: Yeah, I mean, it will lead to certain leadership because I think too often companies are held back, individuals and teams are held back, from the traditional leadership styles and authorocratic type where at the end of the day that the, the traditional style of leadership ends up saying hey i'm the boss i know exactly what you need to do 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 this exactly the way i'm telling you um and whether or not they mean to there's usually like an underlying if you don't do it this way you're going to be fired now some people don't you know say that in a nicer way but like as a leader, as the as the boss, as the team lead, you may be better at doing any job than everybody in your team. But as you, if you want to scale, you have to get out of the business. And so that type of leadership just it holds down teams, but it definitely holds down companies from scaling. I mean, I've been t- part of taking a fair number of companies, you know, from tens of millions to hundreds of millions, and even billions of dollars of sales. And it's like you can't do that unless you're figuring out a way to multiply yourself. And so I usually come into organizations and look for ways that one can bring in the wisdom that from where I've done this before, I I like to joke, there's a muscle memory in growth. There's a muscle memory in servant leaderships that that you get a feel for and you need to teach to others. But the biggest thing is figuring out how that I want to serve customers, but the best way to do that is by serving my team and putting them in a place to serve the customers.
1: So talk to me about, you scaled eXp from nothing 15 years ago to the largest independent real estate com- company.
0: Well, well, let me pause there. I only joined three years ago. The the, the, the mass that's uh, eXp Realty, is, it's really attributable to, to, Glenn, to Glenn, who founded the company. I mean, he is the servant leader that I talked about. He saw a different way within the real estate industry, um, founded a company on that fought through, you know, blood, sweat and tears to, to get it to where it was at and then acquired the company, the technology company I was part of a little more than three years ago. And then had brought us in to to lead a large portion of of the growth from a, a technology perspective. Um, I stayed because of who Glenn is and, and the leadership that he's brought on and it gives, they have the same style that I believe in. And that also allows me then to flourish in the, the style that I've, I've been really successful in and we've been really successful at the company for the last
1: three years. Okay. So tell me, uh, about the server leadership style. What exactly does that entail? Can you walk me maybe even through an example as you're talking through that?
0: Yeah. Great. Uh, great example. So, um, well, I was acquired into EXP with a company called Showcase IDX. They do real estate technology. It doesn't really matter what they do. Um, but when we came in, I was leading that business on a, on a day-to-day basis. And it was really the, the growth engine kind of behind that. And we had a woman who had been a sole contributor that we continued kind of growing. She had joined before I did. She, and so she started to lead customer success. Well, Tiffany, was, her name's Tiffany. Tiffany's exceptional. At, she was exceptional when she was doing tickets in Zendesk, answering ticket problems. Um, she just continued to flourish as we gave her more training, um, and she wanted to lead other people as well. Not everybody that's good at their job is capable of leading as well. And so, as as I continued to pour into Tiffany from a career perspective over the last, you know, four or five years that I worked with her, she's been she was promoted earlier in the year. To um, th- That company is now kind of exited out of here as uh, well, but she has grown into a place where she became the business unit manager. She was basically acting as general manager because I knew the best way for the company to grow. It did need me involved doing day-to-day operations, doing marketing and growth, and bringing my wisdom for that first two or, two or three years. But then if I wanted to get further than that, I needed somebody like Tiffany and Paulo on the team and Mandy on the team where – they needed to stop coming to me and saying, hey, I have this a difficult customer situation and like like wordsmithing something or asking me to write that response to a customer. I mean, for the last year prior to that company uh, divesting from, uh, from from eXp, I mean, I literally spend no more than 45 minutes to an hour once a week with Tiffany as an executive coach really because I have trained her, I've poured into her. I tried not talking to customers for the previous 18 months because I my job was to teach and should train them and to serve tiffany and them if they were unsure about like they needed that courage but to respond to a difficult customer i helped give them courage if they needed some wordsmithing, i didn't just do the wordsmithing for them i would ask them questions and let them work through that model themselves so i was kind of creating disciples in a way so rather than just uh, you know being the master woodworker in a wood shop i was teaching them how to build you know bookcases themselves and because of that change in leadership style uh, of me knowing the best way to serve my customers was to actually step out of the business and train really skilled people on that company, they were able to do things without having to come to me uh, towards the last year or so that I was leading that business. And now they're able to go off on their own with a new parent company and they're able to, uh, to do things that were way beyond their skill level before. And, it, you know, in many cases, on par with even how I would have done things. Um, so my, I, I really took from a servant leadership perspective, uh, that specific example about, like, I know the best way to serve more customers. I mean, they had thousands of customers with our SaaS platform. The best way to do that was to not let me be the bottleneck. I didn't need the one that was just being coming up with a strategy. When we started a podcast, it was Paulo's idea. He asked if I wanted to host it. I said, no, I want you to host it. And then I helped give him some critiques over the first couple of episodes for it. And so like I've been a guest on his podcast, but it's his podcast for that company as opposed to Kurt's podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the, other, and the nice thing about, not nice thing, but the reason you need to do that is because as you, as you scale, you can be everywhere all, all the time. And if you're in the weeds, you miss the forest for the trees, right? So really doing it in a dictatorial authoritarian way, A, demotivates people uh, because they feel like they don't have a voice. Right they don't have a stake in the outcome because they're like I just told I just did what you told me and if it doesn't work out it's really your fault not mine right. uh, they have a stake in the game I, I don't have to think about whether it's successful or not but this is yeah. the onus on them to say okay I need to really think through how to do this right because I will be owning the success or lack thereof in the, in the process
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, and th- there are always areas, you know, I think as we move as leaders where we're, we, we're not skilled, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm not the bookkeeper. I'm not, uh, you know, I, I engage well with uh, with the legal team. Sometimes, you know, I've, I've been on a number, a number of patent applications, but I'm not a skilled trained lawyer. So like, I can never go and counsel the general counsel about how to do their job. But there are areas that I do really well. And so even at eXp now, the, Like one of the things that I lead at EXP is our enterprise and product led SEO. So building a, like what's now the largest real estate portal in the United States for in terms of number of active listings and trying to, you know, get, you know, rank for millions of keywords as opposed to just the 20 or so that you know a local agent might rank for well glenn our founder before he started this he had created six regional portals city portals that were literally at the top of you know at the top of google 15 years ago you know he 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 may not he may not be that uh, expert on enterprise seo but he is so far more advanced in organic growth strategies than the CEOs of almost any other public company because we're public. So I'm able to one, just go and do my job as I need to and meet our teams. But Glenn is smart, is wise enough to be able to step in understand what we're doing, ask questions, and he often has valuable input, and then let our team go and implement things we need to without him micromanaging. So he has strong opinions. I want strong opinions from somebody like him who has an expertise in an area where we're at, but he also knows that that we need to be able to go operate and run things in, in, independently, which also then my boss, Leo uh, Perea at the company, uh, helps protect me to make sure that I can do that because yeah. when you're I always find at a company, one of the biggest things about being a leader of any kind is being able to say no. Because when you're really good at operating and doing things, people want to give you more. And Leo has been very good at saying, yes, yes, but these are the outcomes we want. So we need to protect your time.
1: Yeah. So, you know, one of the quotes I read somewhere, uh, I'm paraphrasing, is, you know, you are a leader, not when you just lead people, you're a leader when you create more leaders, who create more leaders. So basically, you can propagate that leadership down at least two levels. So you create leaders who can create leaders, and that's when you're a true leader. So I think what you're saying. I think
0: your, your term of true leader, I think that's the only way that you're a leader. I I think if uh, if if you're not if you're not multiplying yourself and creating more people um, that that can are are capable of independently leading themselves and future teams, you're a manager. You're not a leader. And so you may be really good at things. But I mean, I think that's where you look back over time, people that have been really successful at super large companies. I mean, you go decades ago, like I think it was Ford Motors, Lee Lee Iacocca was really good, transformed that company in growth. But when he stepped out of the organization, things just started to descend for, for, for the next 10 years or so. Was he wise? Yes. Was he really good? Yes. But he didn't multiply himself in the way that, that you would want at so many companies. But yet, if you look at somebody like a Cheryl Backhelder, she was the president, the turnaround CEO for Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen, a public company, but literally a franchise model for restaurants. If you look back at the people that came out of that organization, there wasn't just one or two people that have been successful and have led major organizations and teams. There, there were fifty of them. That now, if you look back to where they go, they're doing what she did. They're teaching people how to lead differently. They're finding success. They're failing as well, but but they they've risen in their career because of her. It, it really much a higher success rate than at other companies.
1: Yeah. So servant leadership is obviously a. a, a, a it's not a new concept people have been talking about for decades Um, where do you think uh, people fail to grasp that it is an important approach that they should take like why is it not more popular around there we see a lot more autocratic or opinionated leaders than we see servant leaders to be honest Um, and I I don't know if it's a question of maybe or humility or is it just that they can't get it out of their head that they are not always the right, you know, people that have all the answers. I'd like to understand your perspective on that.
0: Yeah, I I have a couple of different thoughts on it, really, too. The the one is, I mean, I think there is a humility. A lot of times the the servant leaders that I know, they're they're not the ones that go and shout their praises as much. And so um, that's, you know, you're not going to see them doing as many TED Talks and stuff about their background. But I think the bigger thing is, if you go pick up the average book on servant leadership, it doesn't scream Business operations to you, it doesn't scream growth. They're they're usually written from a faith perspective. It's uh, it, it you know I, I'm a Christian, so you know like there's a lot of books from uh, from Christians written about the morality and the faith kind of posts on it. Same thing from Jewish and Hindu and my Muslim friends. I I can find books. Most of the books on servant leadership they take almost this approach of. You should lead this way because it's the right way and they kind of talk about it in a moral perspective to to treat your employees and i while i I do agree with that no matter what somebody's faith background is from i I do think it's better you know to to be the not toxic boss and not have the threat to firing on top of it but um i mean i want people to perform but i've been part of more than 60 acquisitions at this point and i can go through and say look if i come into a new organization I can almost ahead of time, like I won't go into an organization that's leading authorocratically because we're never going to get the hyper growth scale that now I'm part of a second company doing that. We're never going to see the massive growth that's led to so many of the acquisitions that I've been part of because that Bosch just can't replicate themselves. You can't do it repeatedly in the authorocratic style. So there's only really two books that I know of that actually even kind of approach like this servant leadership from the business perspective. And so I like to use the, te- the term high achieving servant leadership because it does separate itself a little bit just from the pure servant leadership definition that you can go back through history um, around the world and find that. But but I want to be very clear, if it's the if you want to grow your business, whether you're a 15 person ele- uh, electrical company or you're a SaaS company doing $200 million a year, the best way to grow is... Starting to adopt a servant leadership approach because that's the easiest way to unlock growth going forward. Um, and just from my experience,
1: yeah, okay. And I'm just going to play the devil's advocate here. Yeah. What about the pitfalls or drawbacks of servant leadership that could come and bite you later?
0: People think that they have to uh, they have to be nice at the expense of uh, growth. And so I kind of like to look at things. As, uh, you know I think about my personal relationships, my friend, my wife. Um, you know if you're if you're too strong in truth when somebody's not performing uh, or something not the way you like well that's bad that that's bad for the relationship so you always have to have truth and love or or you could say truth and grace together uh, as you come out with that and so but I, I think a lot of times I mean there's nothing wrong with with some of these books that have been written about servant leadership there's a great things from coming at those from a faith perspective but you have to remember there's There's two things that we hear from a lot of different faith perspectives and approaches to servant leadership, even without faith, is there's peacemakers and there's peacekeepers. Well, those are two very different things. A peacekeeper says, look, we don't want to have conflict within the organization. A peacemaker says that there's no way to avoid conflict. The best way to make sure that we will have peace and a good relationship, Sri, is to have healthy conflict. If you and I come to a fork, we're hiking, and there's two business choices, and we can go left or we can go right, well, we can either have that discussion now. You might have a very strong opinion that we should go left, and I think we should go right. Well, we can either have that opinion now, or one of us could force the discussion and say, or force it and just say, well, we're going to go my way, and then six months down the line when it doesn't go the way. And then I, you know, if we follow if we followed my path, you could come back six months later and you'd have turmoil. I and mean, then like, see, I knew we should have gone the other direction. Well, that's bad for our relationship. There's much higher conflict at that time. But yet, so many companies I think end up wanting to just keep it peaceful all the time at the expense of bringing up difficult topics. I mean, I one of the things I love about the the team that just uh, left our company was as they've now been spun out, they had I I hired for this. I wanted people that, one, believed in healthy conflict, as we just talked about, and I wanted people that had strong opinions, but they held them loosely. When you come to that fork in the road, I want you to come to me straight and go, hey, look, sometimes you may not have an opinion, but if you really think we should make this decision, I want you to be very, very confident in saying, look, here's what I think we should do and why we should do it. Do you agree or not agree? And then we can have that discussion ahead of time. And I think that's one of the reasons that people uh, tend to not follow servant leadership is. They tried keeping peace all the time, and today a lot of people get triggered by things. And I'm like, it's not about it's not about being mean to people. It's about having healthy discussions, healthy confrontation. And sometimes, I mean, I've worked for toxic bosses. I've left companies because of toxic environment. I think that I think some of us have PTSD from having worked in a toxic environment before. And so sometimes you're trying to be that peacemaker uh, or is that peacekeeper, and you're like, well, no, the best thing is to help that person realize. This is a safe place for you to share why you have a really strong opinion and why you think that's the best business decision. It could be a big decision if we're deciding, do we go start satellite offices? Or it could be something small that says, here's how I think we should respond to this client.
1: Yeah. There are two things takeaways from that. One is obviously in a a space where they feel safe and psychological safety is important. And that really comes from the culture. So the leaders and the people around the leaders need to be able to have an environment where you, you, there. You know, failure is not always punished, right? You right. need to be able to allow some of that and allow people to speak up, even if they come across as uninformed or or idiots or whatever, right? You need you need to be able to say, oh. you know what, I don't agree with this, or I think maybe we should do it this way, even if it's a dumb idea, because right. not every idea will be dumb. Some of them maybe, some of them may be great ideas, right? And you right. want to be able to surface those. And if they don't, if they think, if they get shot down after a couple of ideas. Right are not going to talk about the other ones where some of them may be good um the second thing that i i think uh, you're talking about in this in this construct basically the one aspect of the the servant leadership that i was i was thinking about is making sure that people that you hire have the caliber to be be a leader and be able to do it right some people are better at just being told what to do because they can't really think in, in enough to solve the problem sometimes. I and mean, I don't know I'm just thinking aloud. I right? think it
0: depends on the problem. I think everybody I think everybody I mean even if you go to somebody who's a cashier at a restaurant like they 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 they're capable of doing way more but they may not believe in that themselves. And so um I mean I I do also agree with you where you were talking about like you have to have that environment where people feel safe to bring up what's potentially a dumb idea. That's how you approach that to them is one of the key differences too. Um, I mean, my wife says I can't tell people, but you know, I've, I've been an angel investor before. So it's like one of the highest compliments I can give to somebody who's starting a company or thinking about a starting company is to say, that's not a stupid idea. Because as an investor, a lot of times you hear something and you go, that's a dumb idea. You don't always tell them that, Um, but, but on my team, when somebody comes up with an idea or they have a suggestion, I think it's the question, the servant leaders or people that are wanting to change their style. If, If you hear something from somebody on the team and you go, that's a stupid idea. Well, you're right. How do I get to that safe environment is I ask people kind of the same questions over and over. What led you to that conclusion? I wanna know what brought them to that level of thinking. And sometimes they may discover that it's not the best idea there. And the follow up question then is if, you know, cause one, they may have actually, they may have a better idea than I do and I just think it's dumb. So maybe they have evidence, but then I'm gonna ask them, have you considered? And then I'll bring in a story from my past that probably points out why maybe that's not the wisest thing to do. That's part of taking the time to train people and, and help them develop critical thinking in a safe environment, so that they will come up with more ideas. And the other thing that I love that you mentioned is, um, they don't know it's a dumb idea. I don't always know it's a dumb idea. And so the one thing that I think all leaders need to realize, no matter they consider themselves a servant leader or not, is the one thing I think we, we can all look back and I can tell people is being wrong and being right feels exactly the same until you know that you're wrong. So if you and I come to that decision, we're running the company together. Should we go right or should we go left for the big strategy decision? We're going to invest three million dollars. We can come to agreement and decide together what we think we should do. And in six months, we may have realized we were both wrong, and, and that was not a good investment. Well, we never would have made the decision if we actually knew we were wrong. We make those decisions thinking we're right. And so helping helping up to people on our team and even ourselves realize I might not actually be right about this. That's a that's a key thing to remember.
1: Yeah also let the other person understand the psychological safety was one aspect. The other other thing is you really, if you step back and have the discussion, you understand that both, you both want the same outcome. You both want success. It's not like you want something and they want something, then there's misalignment completely. But if you both, you're saying our destination is to pass this Creek and get to the other side of the mountain, and we can have a discussion on which route to take. That's a discussion we can have. But the outcome we want is we want to get to the other side of the mountain safely without breaking, you know, without straining our ankles and getting stuck in, some, in bushes somewhere, right? I think that's, as long right. as you can get a, agreement on that, and sometimes when you're disagreeing, you can step back and say, hey, let's first agree that it, we are both wanting the same outcome. Okay, then let's step back and say, yeah. what's the best way to get there?
0: The, it's the job of the leader to make sure that everybody on the comp. And so too often, authorocratic leaders, they're telling people what to do. And especially this gets worse and worse the larger organization, because at every level, people are having to make assumptions about what the outcome is. They're having to go, oh, we just wanna grow. Well, but grow how? Grow in what areas? Grow business with clients or grow with, get more clients or grow our revenue with existing clients? Those are very different
1: things. Okay, what are some good resources people can go to read more about servant leadership? You know, are there any books that you mentioned that would be a good one or any podcasts or, uh, you know, TED Talks or videos they can watch? Uh,
0: I do love Cheryl Backelder's book who I mentioned her a lot of time right now. I've, I've written probably 75,000 words on just high achieving servant leadership in a lot of different specific examples on my own website at com. Trying to synthesize, um, really bringing that business growth aspect into this style of leadership, because outside of Cheryl's book, there's not another book that I just say is a is a slam dunk win on this. There's a there's a second book called um, uh, Love Works, but it's you know, and the, the gentleman that wrote it, I'm, I'm friends with, uh, was a president of Saab uh, Saab uh, Motor Company for a while and a couple of other big companies. But but it's it's not nearly as good as Cheryl's book, and so I've tried writing a lot of this and giving it away for free as well to people.
1: Okay, so uh, where can you? Uh... Talk about exactly how people can get to your website where they can read more about it and how to reach you or or your work so they
0: yeah, so my website is kurt k u r t euler u h l i r dot com but you can also just search for Kurt servant leadership or Kurt Euler servant leadership, and Google will show you um like the first couple of those articles that will feed you off to probably thirty other like almost books into themselves for free that you can follow
1: yeah, and it's probably a testament to your servant leadership that you actually can find time to write so You know, if you were not a servant leadership, you probably wouldn't have time to write as well.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of my additional writings this year have come from also questions from people. I mean, I wrote the Definitive Guide to High Achieving Servant Leadership probably in January, and then people started commenting with questions. They said, well, what about this? Or do you have other books? And so to your question about books, I I have one long, probably like 7,000-word article um, kind of giving the pros and cons about 16 different books on servant leadership, what I like and what I don't like about those books. And so I think that gives somebody more uh, more guidance when they go through those books. I, I'm really big on just because somebody wrote a book, do not trust them with a You need to listen to read the book. I believe in reading books actually three times. And then assimilate. Excellent.
1: Well, thanks a lot, Kurt. This has been very insightful. Um, I really uh, enjoyed having this discussion. I've read a lot about servant leadership and I've talked to a few people who, who talk about this, but I haven't gone into the depth like we did on this, uh, on, on this recording. So I really appreciate your time and being on my show.
0: Oh, well, thank you for having me. I mean, I appreciate you bringing me on, but I also appreciate you looking at the people and the operations bit of this so much because it takes somebody like you to really help organizations uh, take this new information and kind of do something with it.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Sri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People Strategy Leaders Podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit com slash people strategy leaders podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag PeopleStrategyLeaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sri Chalapa. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you to Patrick Ramsey, sound engineer at Kalinga Production Studios, for recording and mixing this show.